Welcome everyone to Hosty Short-Term Mental Intel Podcast number 26. Today we are excited to welcome Anurag Verma from Price Labs, uh, co-founder of Price Labs and leaving the airline, uh, United Airline industry, doing revenue management, working on the algorithms for revenue management for United Airlines to join the short-term rental industry to bring us an, an amazing dynamic pricing software, Price Lab. So thank you for joining us. And also today we have Evan Wilburn, the co-founder of Hosty. And we hope to just have a wonderful conversation, have everyone walk away with some value about dynamic pricing, understanding of dynamic pricing, the intricacies of it, and uh, potentially going out to use it for yourself or using Hosty's management. So uh, Anurag, welcome and uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Killian, and, and thanks for that great introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Just to get started, the, the broad, you know, 40,000 foot picture, can you tell us in layman's terms to maybe the first time ever being someone being introduced to what dynamic pricing is, what is it, what's the nature of dynamic pricing? Right, so dynamic pricing, uh, essentially, if, if you want to go really high level, uh, think of each night on your calendar, uh, if you're in, in the travel industry or as, as short-term rental, each night in your calendar as a product, right? Different products have different prices. Uh, an iPhone costs different from uh, Google Pixel 6 or whatever. Uh, different cars cost, cost different things because there is a different demand for those things, like each of them individually. Um, similarly, each night in some ways is a product. Uh, if you're in a ski area, a night in February and March is way more valuable than a night in, say, um, mid-May, where this is mud season, right? So uh, it's essentially saying, hey, the product that you are selling as a short-term rental is, is not your house. It's nights in the house. And depending on when those nights are, whether it's a weekend or a weekday, whether it's a, a high season or low season, whether there's a big event going on or not, the demand is different. Uh, the The value that somebody who's staying there that gets out of it is different, and so they should be priced differently. Um, so that that's one piece. Uh, that's one part of the it being dynamic that you shouldn't be selling all your nights at the same price. Uh, just like if you have two cars to sell, you won't sell both the cars at the same price. Uh, the second part is something that you would probably see in all grocery stores you would all see it in car dealerships you see it everywhere which is uh, the value of time in some ways where uh, if you're selling vegetables vegetables uh, go stale after a while right like you can't sell like rotten tomatoes that's like you, you can't sell it for much whereas if they're ripe tomatoes like perfectly ripe then you can sell it for a reasonable amount right whatever the market can take um, similarly um, the the value that you are able to sell each night, any given night, whether it be in high season or low season, at different points of time till the night expires. Once the, once the night is gone, like you can't go back and sell April fifteenth of twenty twenty one at whatever price. Like I I mean somebody will have like you you can't even sell it for a dollar because it's worth nothing. Like what does that give us? Um, so that's the other aspect to say like okay it's high season. Uh, depending on how far out it is and depending on what we know about the market, uh, we can say, hey, I should probably sell it for something more or something less. Uh, that's in a nutshell. So, like, I'm, I think I tried to bring in some some car references, some tomato references, yeah, but I'm hoping perfect. that helps uh, I've explain. heard you use the, the analogy where we're not selling cheese. You know, it, it expires. There's an expiration date. And so right. uh, when that date arrives, what's the optimal price the market can handle, the, the, mar the market can absorb? Right. Yeah, uh, and in, in some ways, if you think of cheese, which comes with an expiry date, um, there are people who will say, hey, uh, I will use it today. So it's, if it's expiring tomorrow, I'm fine with it. Uh, but then the number of such people is few, and whether they'll notice your package of cheese or not, is the chances are less. So you kind of have to say, okay, if the demand is less, then I'll have to discount it and sell. And I had heard you use an analogy, uh, thermostat, essentially. You can look at pricing, you can look at dynamic pricing like a thermostat. I kind of use the analogy, you know, you want meat to be at 300 degrees, right? You can stick a thermometer in there, 
and you can know, hey, I'm, I'm a couple degrees over, I'm a couple degrees under, and I can, I can adjust the, the temperature on that oven. Uh, dive in a little bit. We, we talked to everyone from the, the owner who is, they're hearing dynamic pricing for the first time from us, all the yeah. way to the people who are maybe using some type of dynamic pricing, or using like a pseudo dynamic pricing, like a smart pricing, or maybe an OTA offered pricing. Um, right. Can you talk, talk about a little bit that analogy of, of, of a thermostat? Um, Your 7, 14, 30 day outlook. All right. I was yeah. thinking to think about like, where have I given the oven? And <laughs> <Yeah. time>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, when you do uh, any kind of revenue management, right, it's, it's yes. not uh, none of no system out there uh, is, is set and forget in some ways. Uh, even the best automated systems, and I'm not even talking about pricing. Uh, think about uh, autopilots and flights or uh, whatever Tesla has at this point, right? All of these systems come with some amount of uh, feedback to to you as a human being to say, hey, like, is this going well? Is this not going well? Can something be improved upon? Um, and that's what, like, at any point of time, I think the thermometer analogy is more about, like, being able to monitor and measure at any given point of time what is happening with you what is happening around you in the market in some ways to be able to say okay like if, if i'm fairly well booked like in the next eight months uh, what does that tell me and frequently what that tells you like if you're super well booked over the next eight months is that hey uh, if, if you look at the market trends plenty of people book like most of the demand in most destinations come within the last comes within the last eight months so if you're fully booked over the next eight months you potentially might be uh, selling for so much lower than the market that you're being lapped up at the first chance somebody searches and then you, you get booked, right? Uh, it it signals that you can increase your prices. Whereas in the next two months, if you're like, you know, sitting way below the market, it kind of tells you like, hey, um, maybe your price is a bit too high. You want to try a few discounts or things like that. And uh, there are mechanisms like in most dynamic pricing systems and price labs to sort of auto-correct for those things as well. Uh, but still, like as as a owner and the manager, you want to be able to have a pulse on what's happening on your systems at any given point. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. Uh, it's fun to see price labs evolve and change over time. And um, one thing, like you said, it's it's there's no set it and forget it pricing model. It's all. And then two, it's it's so uh, subjective too in the short term rental world because each each product is is different. You know, every two bedroom is not the same. But I've, I've seen uh, price labs kind of move. I, I don't know. You can confirm this, but from a amenity perspective, you're maybe starting to add in some of the amenities. Hey, you know, people with Wi-Fi tend to be priced this much higher or people with these certain amenities. Is that do you feel like that's the way you guys are going is to try to measure it more subjectively or objectively? So, right. So, I mean, uh, we still think I mean, what you said is absolutely right. Like, um, it's not just the amenities and the quality of home. So for example, um, you could have a condo building. Uh, I don't know if Colorado Springs has that many of them, but say you have a condo building or say you have two houses right next to each other, uh, identical houses, everything is the same about them. Um, yet you would find that one of them might be booking a lot more than the other, right? And this is with like all amenities the same, everything exactly the same. And it might happen to be that one faces a certain direction, the other one faces the other direction, and the pictures of one of them come out way better than the other for whatever reason, right? Uh, sometimes these are these intangible things. Sometimes there is no difference at all except in perception. So you, you're not selling a house in some ways, you're, you're, or you're selling a, a night at a house, but all you can market is the listing like what what pictures are there what description is there and depending on the listing itself things can change a lot uh, which is very very hard to measure and sometimes the listings are also identical but one of them got a bad review somewhere and it drops in ranking in airbnb or verbal search and because of that it stops getting enough bookings so what we focus a lot on is not just what's physically there on the property which is amenities or what's uh, you know, what's on the listing like the reviews but also this constant feedback loop of like 
is it getting bookings or not right it, it could be the best listing with the best amenities out there but if it's not getting bookings that feedback loop will come and say hey you need to be dropping the prices for this one you're, you're not getting bookings at this price point uh, would that, that be what sense. you call pacing like hey what is the pacing of bookings it's getting or is that so pacing can be t- thought of as two things one is uh Pacing is essentially at what pace are booking comes in, com- bookings coming in. Are they coming in too far out or too close in okay. or things like that? Or also pacing can be thought of really as a metric to compare against something. So you pace against something. You you never pace in vacuum. I mean, you're, um, mm-hmm. it would be hard to say I'm fast when there is nothing else <laughs> to compare against. <laughs> no relative measure. Uh, right? So pacing uh, generally historically used to be how am I pacing against last year, for example, right? So to say uh, the next ski season is coming up or the next summer is coming up. Let's talk about summer. So July is coming up in about seven months, let's say. Uh, At this time for July 2021, seven months out, how booked was I? So if, if I look at my July 2022 right now and say, hey, it's, you know, 30% booked, uh, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it, th- there's no real way to tell other than to say, hey, what happened last year? Uh, and that's not to say like if you're ahead of the market or uh, ahead of last year or be- uh, behind last year, that's necessarily right or wrong. But at least it gives you a sense of like, hey, at this point, I was booked at, say, 20% last year. Um, and eventually I got booked like a solid 85%, uh, which means... If I'm already 10% ahead, maybe there's an opportunity to bump up the prices. If July pans out the same way, maybe uh, I'll still hit 85%, but with higher prices, maybe I need to raise my prices, right? Um, On the flip side, you could say, uh, you can also say pace against the market to say, okay, I'm 30% booked. How booked is the market? And if it looks like the market is sitting completely empty, you're the only one getting, taking all these bookings and that kind of says, hey, are you are you that much cheaper than the market that everybody seems to be booking you? Like maybe you, you should raise rates there as well. So when you do these comparisons against last year or against the market or how the market did last year as well, that that's when some of these start becoming useful. And then the the feedback loop you're talking about uh, would that be more occupy, occupancy based pricing? This hey your airlines filled up ten percent X price now it's filled up twenty percent x price correct okay uh, to, to some extent um to some extent yes and and we do it in two different ways um, so when you think of an airline uh, they have 100 seats in a plane that they can sell uh, so they can afford to sell a few of them for cheap for a big event to then realize that hey like usually i should not be 20 percent booked seven months out for any any flight if i am then that indicates uh, there must be some big event happening here and i didn't price properly right so so they have these systems to then automatically bump up the rates in short term rentals the difficulty as an individual uh, operator comes in where you only have one home if there is a big event and you can't take feedback from yourself. Once you're booked for that big event, you're booked for that event. Uh, I mean, you can people cancel and stuff like that, but in most cases, you're booked for that event, right? Uh, so there's no feedback to say, hey, I just realized there's a big event. Let's raise the prices of the rest of the homes that I have left, which is none. Um, as a property manager, you have a little more leeway, right? You can say, okay, I have 200 homes, and uh, usually seven months out, it's... Weekends are 20% booked and, and this particular one is 30% booked. And I can go and say, hey, it looks like something is happening and I can bump up the rates for the remaining properties. And that's what we call uh, portfolio occupancy-based adjustments where you can create groups and say across my group on each date, measure how much is happening and, and do this. But the way we try to solve this problem is by tracking the entire market to say, uh, because even as a property manager, you don't want those first 20% homes to be booked on a big night for cheap, right? Because each owner, uh, each homeowner has has just one home. Like just because you sold the remaining 80% at a very expensive price doesn't mean the first 20% get, get a higher payout for those big nights, right? So the way we try to do this is trying to identify or detect events uh, or big, like big demand nights 
in a couple of different ways. One is the moment we see a sliver of activity, if it's if it's super far out when people don't usually book and we see any abnormal activity, it may not be on your homes, but we are tracking the entire market. We go ahead and say, hey, seven months out, this is what's happening in terms of bookings is abnormal. We are going to bump up rates for these dates. And so even before your, uh, your properties start getting booked uh, at an abnormal rate, the rates are already high. Uh, and then the second one we do, which actually we had to do because of COVID, um, is proactively looking at what kind of holidays and uh, events can raise prices or have raised prices in the past and then saying even before any demand starts showing up for next year we are going to bump up the rates because we know that eventually this date will be super in super high demand so as an example like labor day suppose nobody is booking right now for next labor day we will still go ahead and say hey it looks like last year there was a significantly high demand and next year even though we are not seeing anything right now we are going to bump it up a little bit mm. so, I've always wondered uh, how much uh, pricing control, let's just say we've got a property manager in one market and they manage 10 to 20% of the market. Um, right. do you, how much, when they change their pricing, does that have a big effect on the rest of the market's pricing? If everybody's, if most people are using dynamic pricing or does that, um, you know, is it pretty I, minuscule? Or it is pretty minuscule. So, okay. um, one of the things that we saw very early on in in this market is uh, there are you you can't follow anybody else's pricing. Uh, people have their own reasons to do certain things a certain way, uh, and if you try to follow somebody else's pricing, uh, it, it can lead to some pretty odd uh, outcomes. So uh, the, the simplest case I can think of is uh, this. There are plenty of times in, especially in urban areas, but also outside where nobody at all has raised prices for a peak demand day that, that we can see in our occupancy data that hey, occupancy is through the roof, but looks like nobody else in the market seems to have spotted this. It, it might be a big wedding that is not a public event or public information. So nobody really knows about it. Uh, but if you just say, hey, nobody else is raising prices, I'm not going to raise prices, then then you're missing out on making a lot more on, on those kinds of days, right? Um, and on the flip side, there are times when uh, owners or, or managers uh, on, on request from owners tend to set prices too high on certain events, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, again, sometimes, like sometimes they might be setting it too high to say, hey, I want to come and live here, but if somebody books it for 2000 bucks a night, sure. I'll cancel my plans. Like I'll take that money, uh, and and when that happens again, you don't want to like look at that and say, oh, like sure, something seems like something really big is happening. We we almost don't do hardly any benchmarking against the rest of the market because of that reason. Like basically, you've got a bunch of rent by owner people who are just yeah. doing static pricing, and if we were going to benchmark against them, like we would end up with just super bad pricing. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a lot better to look at trends in occupancy than trends in how are other people pricing. I still would say it's it's beneficial to do benchmarking, even though it's rent by owners. Uh, there's collective wisdom in some ways. Like if yeah. there are 400 uh, RBOs out there, then there will be a few outliers, but then plenty of folks are, have been like, even if, even RBOs are pretty savvy, right? Like you can look at the collective wisdom and say, hey, it looks like everybody seems to know something is going on on this date, at least to find out, like, did some, is something happening like, yeah. uh, that, that we have missed, right? But I think, like you said, like, you know, we're yeah. at 200 homes. We're likely going to know about, you know, an unor unordinary special event because we're going to exactly. have some, you know, houses surging in demand. Yeah. before maybe the individual and you're talking about your neighborhood data pulling from it's the nearest 300 homes is that correct we do correct we do nearest yeah. 350 um yep 
And I mean, a, a human being can only take that so far. You can only start crunching that information. I mean, you have some folks who've been doing this off of VRBO and even later or even earlier who've been doing their yeah. own pricing. Um, and it, it's interesting to see they're, they're basically doing their revenue management, but there really is no revenue management strategy. Their strategy is really, they've just been reacting very well to the collective wisdom of the 10 or 15 or 50 properties they've managed to look at on one OTA. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, you can't say that's not a strategy, that's still a strategy to say, go monitor <laughs> uh, a few uh, customers or a few competitors that are that you regard well in some ways, right? True. Um, but then again, the, the trouble with some of these strategies can be one, they're, they're very uh, labor intensive, like going and like you can't i mean you can probably if you have nothing else going on uh go and check these 15 listings on otas as frequently as a system can do um and the benefit that gets is like for example today a lot of folks i know uh do revenue management or do pricing sort of or at least this was true a few years back would do it like once a year, in the beginning of the year, you set the seasonal prices. You look at what other everybody else is charging, and then you go say, "Okay, I'm, I'm go I want to be in the middle of it, right?" Uh, and there are two things that are uh, that can be improved upon in that setup. One is being in the middle of it. You might be a uh, like let's call it an average property in the area. Out of those 15, you are like sort of the uh, there are some higher end, some lower end, and, and you're in the middle. That doesn't mean that you should be priced at the middle all the time. Um, so, for example, in low season, if the occupancy in the area is going to be 20%, uh, demand is really, really low, and, and you're in the middle, there is a chance that, that you don't get booked, whereas you want to try and get booked uh, till a certain point. Like, you, you shouldn't lower your rates below where you're comfortable with or, or things like that. And then on the flip side, if you know that there are certain dates in summer where, like, demand is through the roof everything is getting booked then, then why be in the middle you can you can be somewhere further up uh, and, and still have a pretty good chance of booking like why, why, yeah that's just money that's waiting to be taken in some ways mm -hmm. do you have maybe just a general an average of someone who is moving from <clears throat> pardon me let's just say smart pricing from airbnb onto true dynamic pricing software price labs what do you think is the average increase of revenue? That one is hard to answer yeah. uh, because smart pricing sometimes does things very strangely. Like they, they tend to really lowball the prices, right? Uh, I, I have a better answer for somebody who's doing it manually uh, and, and doing it well, or somebody who's just not doing it. Like there are folks who just set a flat rate all year. Uh, and in such cases, like the benefits can be like closer to 40, 50%, right? Because what happens when you set one flat rate all year is in high season, you're, you're really losing the opportunity to sell at a much higher rate. And seasonality, especially in sort of mountain markets, seasonality is, is big. Like it, uh, between low season and high season, occupancy rates and prices can be significantly different. So by setting one single price all year, you're one losing out on in high season, you could have charged more. You, you're probably fully booked in high season. And then in low season, you're probably priced so high that that you're not getting very many bookings. And you might think that, hey, this is a seasonal market. I don't get low season bookings. But there might be low season bookings to be taken, just that you are not getting them, right? So, so that's where the benefit comes in and it can be significant. And then the other one is somebody who does recognize these things, somebody who does manual pricing uh, where the benefit is going to be closer to 10 to 20 percent that comes from automation of uh, some of the strategies to say okay if, if something is not sold and it's last minute let's try to lower the rates and, and get it booked or there might be an event or a holiday that that is slipping under the radar that didn't you didn't pick up in your initial research or uh, it wasn't even there when you did the initial research it got announced later on and then um, dynamic pricing software will likely pick it up whereas if you haven't looked at it or haven't been monitoring markets frequently enough you, you might miss it and so is this feedback loop happening once an hour and then being synced every 24 hours is kind of what's the the schedule that 
you know, this, that this is being done? So we do it once a day. Um, in most cases, in most markets, we see uh, there aren't that many significant shifts happening from like one hour to the next, for example. Uh, like a few properties will get booked uh, during the day, but then in the grand scheme of things, like given how big most markets are, it's 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 not causing significant uh, shift if you keep doing it once every like hour or something like that. The feedback loop I was talking about. So one, I mean, this is a feedback loop where we try to figure out market trends by looking at what's happening in the market. The, the, the other feedback loop is what's happening to your property where, uh, and this is where those occupancy-based adjustments or the base price, those things come in, where you say, I have 10 properties, one of them is not getting enough bookings. So in our dashboards, you would start seeing that in red to, to say, hey, go, go look at this one, like what's happening. Our system will automatically try to lower the prices for the ones that are not getting booked using that occupancy-based adjustment. Um, so you can set up rules to say, even before I can go and look, do something about it. But then if it's still not getting booked, if it's still showing up in red, you can come and say, let's come, uh, let's go look at it. Like, look, let's go look at the listing. Why is it not getting booked? Are the prices competitive? Is something else wrong? And things like that. Cool. No, that's awesome. Um, let's let's maybe talk about like what your future outlook outlook on pricing revenue management maybe process, mm -hmm. pricing optimization like are we fully optimized already in terms of how dynamic pricing works or is there a long way to go like where do you think we are at in the industry in terms of pricing there's a long way to go yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean um I, i'm a data scientists so like uh, we tend to like look at holes more than uh, I mean anytime we look at the data we are like okay <clears throat> no matter how bad, how how much work you put in in an algorithm you will find cases where like hey this doesn't seem right and then you go work on that one and then it's a feedback loop for us as well right to say okay is the algorithm performing as well as it could have uh, and then if the answer is no, which it will always be no, uh, there's always something you can improve on, whether it be in what other inputs can be going into the feedback loop or um, yeah, something else altogether, like a new data source that, that can be added to, to help improve pricing. Is it kind of uh, like peeling back the onion and there's just always more layers of nuance? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and to some extent, when you are, you, there is, there is always a, an extra layer that you could go to. What you have to be careful against and what we have to be careful against is like you don't increase the complexity so much in doing that that uh, there is there is benefit to being, uh, I, I don't want to say simple, but explainable. Like to, to be able to say, mm -hmm. hey, this is happening because of that other thing. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get into uh, like throwing a hundred different inputs at it where like 90% of the market might be getting explained by looking at a certain part of the market data. But then you go and say, hey, let's put in this data feed, let's put that data feed. And you suddenly get to a point where like most of the model is coming up with noise in some ways, right? Like, um, so you don't want to overwhelm it either. So like mm -hmm. that's sort of the... Uh, what would be some things you see people start throwing in that data that overwhelm it? Like as you were speaking, one of the things that comes to mind is sometimes a rent by owner likes to do very, very specific things to their property that you can't really objectively say is adding any monetary value to the property. Do you see right. people trying to drag data points into pricing uh, that add noise to the data that you're saying, hey, don't bring that in here. Or don't. it's not necessary. Yeah, it's just static. And, and people keep wanting to bring it into the conversation. Do you have an example of something? Like, the, the, well, the example would be like, you know, a lot of people like to put, this one particular uh, lady I was speaking to likes to iron her pillowcases. She irons every single pillowcase before she puts it on the bed. And in her mind, that adds a lot of value monetarily to her home. So she's bringing, you know, it's kind of going into opinion, but she's kind of bringing something into pricing that is somewhat irrelevant. Do you on a higher level, that's a very low level analogy, but on a higher level, do you see things being introduced into pricing conversations that really should be left out? Wow. 
they don't move the I'm needle. Effective. Yeah, they don't move the needle. I mean, people are talking about them, but they just don't move the needle. Well, I think what you were saying is like, hey, we don't want to add uh, like labels of data that have low weights. Like they don't move anything. They they don't have an effect. Like we want to focus kind on high of. weighted. Or, maybe. Or they might have an effect, but it's better to measure that effect again going back in that feedback loop rather than do it explicitly uh, and the reason being there's uh, so suppose this this example of uh, um, the perfectly iron pillowcases yeah, sure. right <laughs> suppose they were truly valuable you and I think that it's not valuable but suppose they were truly valuable it would show up in well when somebody is booking the place it's hard for them to see whether the pillowcases are ironed or not unless you put a picture and specify that, right? Like exactly. pillowcases would be ironed when you come mm. in. Um, but if they were truly valuable, you probably will put a picture of it. Uh, and you probably will get reviews of the prop. Like when people come and stay and leave, the, the reviews would be raving about it and it would, they would be five-star reviews. And because of that, the property will keep getting booked a lot because people are really enjoying this stay here. And what that would do then is in our dashboard, it will show up as like green or blue to say, hey, like you are really getting well booked. Like you should think of bumping up your base price. So in some ways it's, uh, we like to say some of these small variables that may or may not add to the value, it, it's better to uh, incorporate the effect of those uh, implicitly using that feedback loop rather than explicitly saying because you have the um, you know whatever the the, <laughs> the pillow yeah. pieces that are ironed <laughs> you're, you're getting more yeah. but you say hey because you're getting booked more you should raise your prices yeah. um, and then maybe on the operational side you have a different kind of a analysis which says Hey, which properties are doing well and what can we identify that they are doing differently that's making them do well so that then you can replicate and say like tell the other owners that hey go I know <laughs> well and you're diving uh, into uh customizations specific customizations groups of homes and and diving in and yeah. custom yeah and, and i mean that, that's a whole nother uh topic or rabbit hole we could go down that in. was such a light bulb yeah. moment when you just said like explicit versus yeah i mean that's awesome yeah yeah <laughs> wonderful heck i mean so what is I mean, uh so where, where's price labs going i mean where where do you guys see you see yourselves going in terms of which customers you want to serve and what new features you guys want to add over the coming years right so um we have this year has been uh, sort of phenomenal in many ways um in 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 more than one ways, right? So like on, on the product side, a few very significant updates uh, came through. Uh, and one of them, which is easy to notice is that we sort of did this whole UI revamp to bring ourselves to the 21st century, uh, as some people have said. Uh, but then also the new products, portfolio analytics and, and market dashboards and being able to observe what's happening in your properties, in your markets. Even if you don't have a property in an area, you can go today and say, hey, how much did this an average two bedroom in this area make last year? Or how much did a professionally managed two bedroom make this in this area last year, right? So we added those kinds of tools, which has been super helpful. Um, and I don't know if it's because of it or of something else, but we have seen tremendous growth in both the segments, the rent by owners, as well as professional managers. Um, so, and on both spectrums, like plenty of rent by owners started on Price Labs this year, and then uh, plenty of really large property managers also did. So, which is exciting to see, but uh, it, it means that we have to like build tools that can cater to both ends of the spectrum mm. in some ways, right? Yeah. A uh, couple of things that we are focusing on right now and and uh, that will be the focus in the coming year as well uh, one is the customizations themselves like um, there are a few things that can be done that can really help automate a few other things so one of those is for example uh, improving the seasonal settings themselves so like today you can set minimum prices and maximum prices by season uh, 
but in most cases, we actually recommend not doing that. Like our algorithm takes care of those. Uh, and maybe you can set seasonal minimums, right? But then uh, one of the possibilities that I'm excited about is being able to say, hey, today we have this minimum stay automation where you can say far out, have the minimum stay at seven nights. As it gets closer, drop it to four, then drop it to three, then drop oh. it to two. And if there is a gap, then fill the gap. Um, and then we are going to add a capability where you can do this by season. So you can say in summer, I want to have this profile, like seven, three, two. In winter, I want this. In fall, I want this other thing. And in spring, I want this other thing. So in some ways, it's it for for the savvy customers, it can be super powerful to be, to be able to control those things. Uh, the other thing I'm super excited about on that front is we have been working on providing recommendations for what the right minimum stay should be mm. uh, by lead time or by season, for example. Oh, phenomenal. So uh, right now, like we, we provide the automation, but we ask you to put in to say, hey, I want a seven night minimum far out and then I want... Uh, but what can happen is maybe you haven't looked at the market enough. Uh, we, we have market dashboards and this kind of data to show in your market. Uh, if you put your minimum stay at seven nights far out, like are you missing out on a lot of demand or not? Or uh, maybe all of the demand is less than seven nights, in which case like if, if you think you will get a seven night, then you're turning away a significant portion of the demand, right? Um, but being able to get recommendations from us and then being able to see some of the data itself is hopefully going to be a lot of value add to say, okay, I don't just have the automation. I also have guidance on how to use this automation. That's going to be extremely That's powerful. Incredible. Well, I've always felt like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've always felt like, you know, you said, you talked about the UI development, but I've always felt like Price Labs is really focused on the meat and not the, uh, exactly. the dressing. And so like, you're really focusing yeah. on the core product and how it works. And it, yeah, so that's been our philosophy. Uh, sort of our our founding team was all engineers, which uh, and all backend engineers. Like we love to make things work, uh, not necessarily make things that that look pretty. Uh, but over time, as as we have grown, we have gotten that feedback as well to say like when when somebody new looks at it, once if you understand if you're tech savvy, and if you understand how systems work. Um, you you sort of ignore that stuff and you're like, okay, how does this work? Show me that. Um, but if if you are coming in for, at a new product and you haven't understood what all it can do, uh, if it if it looks a little dated, it, it might dent your confidence in it, rightly or wrongly. Uh, but but you might say, hey, uh, if it doesn't look great, I don't know if it will work great. Uh, so what's interesting is you see these pe you see folks typically move from from doing their pricing on the website, VRBO, Airbnb typically, right? Yeah. And those websites, especially like Airbnb, when they, they brought so much market awareness to this industry, they had a very interactive, user-friendly, aesthetically pleasing uh, interface, right? Yeah. And and so when you meant to say, you know, bringing it to the 21st century, like Evan was saying, I mean, just focusing on the nuts and bolts and then the flash can kind of to come la later. And, and we've almost had a very almost identical mentality here at, at Hosty. Um, yeah. So when I, I'm not no nothing against any other dynamic pricing software, I, I've reviewed a ton of them and been through the demos and whatnot and just. Um, in some respects, uh, I think that maybe that time was allocated to a little different areas than, than where you guys allocated time and resources, and right. I appreciate that. One thing I want to ask you is one market section we're seeing grow is your 30, 60, 90-day stage, your, your, mid, your yeah. midterm stays. There, we're not using really true dynamic pricing to achieve pricing on those type of, of homes could you speak to that? Is that in the making? Is that becoming a, a hotter topic? We're not using any algorithm. Yeah, but that's a we are saying, dynamically. Yeah, so that's we're doing some sort of yes. dynamic. Yeah. So sort of you set monthly prices. Uh, Thirty days, for, sixty like, days. You're traveling nurses. Uh, yeah. Corporate rentals, midterm rentals, furnished midterm rentals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's a difficult topic to address. I would say uh, to to start off. Um, the reason being that long, the longer the stay is, so remember how we started off by saying each stay is like you're selling nights on a uh, on a home, right? 
and then each night is different that this weekend is different from that weekend and that weekend is different from the weekend after and so on and which is why you need to raise different reduce prices and stuff with monthly stays if it's a 90 day stay now you're selling wholesale in some ways you're, you're not there's no point in some ways differentiating saying hey the price is higher because you're staying over a big event in the area uh, they are if they're coming for 90 days they're not coming for that event they're mm-hmm. they're coming to stay for 90 days uh, the value they get out of those is is not because there's a big event happening uh, so in some ways you have to then find where that trade off is so for example like the way i tend to think of it is uh and i'm hoping we can come up with some automation for this as well um uh, like i was saying the minimum stay settings one of the long term goal is able to also be able to say hey if you were to set monthly discounts to say if it's a monthly stay how much should i discount uh that itself is is valuable so th- the way to think about is suppose i have a normal month where i book four short term stays like a seven night stay a three night stay a eight night stay and a say two night stay uh and then there are gaps in between that end up not getting filled and let me say i mean this seems like a less than ideal case like most homes should get booked a little more than that but out of 30 days you book 20 days uh, at your nightly rates quote and quote um if instead you had sold the entire month all your 30 days are booked um so potentially you would have sold like in in first case you sold 20 nights but you sold it at the full nightly rate instead you could have sold all 30 nights at a slightly discounted rate and in some ways you can say okay if the discount was uh what does it 33% then i i would be somewhat be okay taking one long stay which which books out my month instead of taking all of these shorter stays uh but that's not really all the way accurate because yeah. what generally happens the 20 days that got booked are potentially also including weekends which are priced higher and those kinds of things so the true discount that you should get like the amount of revenue you make from these 20 nights is probably some somewhere close to 80 or 85% so like you should probably give a 15 to 20% monthly discount okay so well we have- that's uh i mean that's what we've been trying to do is how do we combine short term mid term and how do we do it season seasonally like we want to do mid terms in our our slow season because we know yeah. and then do short term the rest of the year but you know we we almost need good data to be able to make that decision because some it just depends yeah. on the year and and this is uh, somewhat born out of necessity because some places short-term rental permitting restrictions will only allow for 30 plus day stays. And what right. you just said, I mean, the, the type of person that's staying for 30 days is different than the person, the type of person that's staying for 90 days and could even be different than the person for 60 days. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are 30 to 45 day stays. So it's somewhat born out of necessity, but could you exercise being a completely dynamic property management uh, company by being able to maneuver both of these industries with ease and with incredibly powerful pricing right and then uh the other part of it comes down to distribution as well like you can figure out ideal pricing but then depending on the OTA or depending on the PMS or the channel manager you may not always be able to distribute uh that ideal pricing across both so like for example like the simplest case i can take off is most otas most pmss most channel managers allow for a nightly price i mean they kind of the basic and then they allow for a monthly discount um so in in a lot of spaces all you can do is that now airbnb recently added this thing where you can not just specify a monthly discount but for a month each month you can specify a different price as well now that's adding a new layer of complexity right mm-hmm. to say yeah. okay it's not just daily prices and monthly discounts you can set different daily prices and completely unrelated monthly prices and and that's very powerful uh, but not every channel manager and not every pms uh, currently supports it. it they they will have to eventually given how the market has been uh, moving it opens up a little bit of a different accounting issue as well <laughs> last uh i guess last question um do you th- so we've been actually looking into this in terms of there needs to be there almost needs to be some sort of and maybe you can just completely squash this and say it's a dumb idea but uh there needs to be almost some dynamic pricing for cleaning labor 
or cleaning rates or maintenance labor, like some type of marketplace where that, that the value of that labor can be measured in some way. Have you, have you guys thought about that at all in terms of dynamically price, like kind of like an Uber where, you know, the, the driver rates change based on the demand and the surge in demand, um, in terms of cleaning labor, maintenance labor. Yeah. So, um, are you saying more like, would the cleaning fee be dynamic? Yeah, po- possibly on... like the cleaning fees dynamic or on the back end, you know, yeah. basically they, so, they work in conjunction to change like, hey, this clean popped up and the cleaning fees low because there's a, a low demand. Maybe I'm, maybe it's just a bad idea. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the straightforward application I can think of is plenty of customers uh set a restriction to say no checkouts or check-ins allowed on Christmas Day. Okay. Because if a check-in and check-out are happening on the same day, it's tough to find cleaners to work yeah. on, on a Christmas day. It's tough to find anybody to work on a Christmas day, right? Uh, and so what do you do? Like on the flip side, you could say, maybe like this can be incentivized to say like, hey, if you do want to check out, pay a thousand bucks and somebody will be ready to clean it. Yeah, that was, that's exactly what I was. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, How you put that. But then uh, this also again comes, goes back to distribution, right? Um, Currently, as far as I know, uh, on most OTAs, there is one cleaning fee. Uh, The cleaning fee does not depend on length of stay. That does not depend on when you're checking in or checking out or things like that. Uh, So the distribution landscape would need to change a little bit. Uh, to be to then possibly allow okay. uh, optimizing like first it needs to change to allow for charging variably and then you need to say okay what's the right number now for for each night you know because a, a on a hot night like a, a saturday in, in july it's, it's a lot easier to swallow a 500 dollars cleaning fee when your nightly rate is you know a thousand dollars a night whereas yeah. in the slow season it's still a 500 dollars cleaning fee but you know, maybe that's almost the same or similar prices to that nightly rate. It's a little bit easier. It's not as easy to swallow. Yeah. Uh, d- does the cleaning actually cost different depending on season? We don't. No, we don't. But, um, I mean, I wish there was a way to, like, say, hey, guest, if you leave the place in a nice condition, you get 50% back. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> like there's some tiny... Or like, you know, and then you could price the labor correct. And then it would be a lot more efficient use of labor. We'd be able to just basically handle more. You're capturing a new labor force (laughs) in a sense. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you're mastering the power of marketplaces like Uber and DoorDash have. So one last kind of fun question. Could you just maybe give your two cents or clear up some of the the cloud around dynamic pricing and, and things and the buzzwords like machine learning, algorithms, artificial intelligence, just your, your thoughts on that, Cle- clearing uh, up that smoke around that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, th- there's different ways to interpret this, uh, uh, this set of terms in some ways, right? So think of, like, I tend to think of the, the basic underneath stuff is statistics, numbers, uh, and, and like what has changed in the last few years is the fact that uh, a lot of statistics that was not doable at, at the very large scale is suddenly doable. Uh, and what that has led to is to say, hey, like, can we build systems that sort of autocorrect uh, themselves? So like, I mean, and you'll see this in all kinds of places, right? So. Uh, when you're typing out a message, if your swipe comes up with the next word automatically, that that's some amount of learning going in there as well. Um, artificial intelligence is a little, uh, I would say not something that, I, I was at United and we ha- used to have this debate that like for a pricing system, it seems like not the right technology almost, um, partly because it's a very black box technology to a certain level. It, it's great at identifying at, at visual stuff. Like it's, it's great at image processing, video processing and all those kinds of things. But, but for pure, like for spitting out a number and saying, Hey, uh, this is the price that you should charge on a certain date. Uh, there needs to be some reasoning behind, uh, that, that is well understood, uh, by, 
by you, by me, by anybody who, who wants to understand what's happening, right? Um, so most algorithms tend to focus a lot more uh, on the statistics part and use machine learning to uh, find some of the relationships between different things rather than go ahead and do artificial intelligence. Plenty of artificial intelligence, plenty of uh, machine learn, like plenty of people use artificial intelligence as the buzzword where underneath <laughs> it's running a stats model yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like we, our data science team, we've, we've had this debate. We, we got a question from somebody on our support desk to say like, do you use artificial intelligence for your pricing? And we're like, well, you first have to start by defining what artificial intelligence is. What do you mean by it? Um, and there's this whole set of people who say like, the the artificial intelligence that that mm. is being used today is not really yes it can play chess yes it can drive a car but it's it's not really intelligent it's it's it can't do everything a human being does and be conscious and things like that right it's not artificial general it's, intelligence it's almost just the collective wisdom anyways in a sense so you guys aren't going to be using neural networks or anything <laughs> <laughs> not yet uh, yeah. there might be there might be sub parts where we need to figure something out where that goes in. Uh, but for the general model, we still want something that's explainable. Uh, and, and again, at, even at United, this was big. Like, you could come up with a pricing algorithm that may, potentially comes up with the perfect answer. But one, there is no perfect answer. Every property manager uh, has a different preference as to how their pricing needs to be done. Sure. And two, being able to explain why that number came to be uh, is itself mm. super, super important, right? Yes. Uh, if somebody asks us tomorrow, like, hey, can you tell us why this summer night is priced at 523? Uh, we should be able to go back and say, like, hey, this is what, and we should be, our answer shouldn't be that, hey, because the neural network told us so. Kind of <laughs> yeah, because that is a black box. You don't know, no one knows what's happening within the, the network, the neural yeah. network. I mean, yeah. there is some advancements on explainable AI and things like that, uh, but not there yet. Wonderful. All right, I really appreciate you joining us here. Thank you. It was a very enjoyable conversation. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, fun. I love uh, yeah. nerding out on some pricing. It's always... And I feel like we can keep going. Yeah, we can go for hours. <laughs> Being respectful of your time. Maybe we'll have yeah. to do this again. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Um, everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. Go check out Price Labs. Uh, go learn about dynamic pricing. And um, have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>